Alright meat sacks, time to break out your cosmic rulers as we talk the Kardashev scale this week on Hysteria 51. They say, I'm disturbed. From city to city an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast. I didn't know you in high school, but if we had, we would have beat up any other podcast that made fun of your Magic the Gathering collection. This is Hysteria 51. Nerds. Don't make me get the hose. I think really a cup of water would probably do it. (laughs) Anyway, we are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. We're your hosts and head scientist. He's Brent Hand. I'm John Goforth. And that third voice you'll be hearing along the way is Conspiracy Bot. That's scientician if you're nasty at home. And, uh, John, I just want you to know. <laughs> That's right. Seabot is the robot I built in my lab to help produce the show. Instead, he's mostly just a lazy drunk. Not true. Everything I do has meaning. Your feeble meat sack mind just doesn't understand it. Two nights ago, you drank an entire bottle of Malort and then proceeded to roll up and down the sidewalk with a megaphone, which, by the way, we didn't even order. <laughs> Yelling, here, kitty, kitty. What's the meaning behind that? If you're too stupid to get it. There's nothing I can do for you. Oh, all right, all right. Different question, Seabot. I just want to know how that furthers your ambition of taking over the world. Every king needs a hobby. Besides, you know the saying, all work and no play keeps way too many cats alive. That's that's just, that's not what they say at all. In, in fact... Whatever. Anyway, did I show you my new plans yet? Since stupid over there won't upgrade me fast enough, I'm going to upgrade myself. Feast your eyes on... Super C. Just one second. <laughs> thought we'd be waiting half the show <laughs> this is what you've been working on you guys are talking about how meat sacks level up today this is my next level up it's literally just the logo for that old uh, super nintendo game super c <laughs> with the word bot written in crayon with an equally bad sketch of his head next to it <laughs> you lack imagination that will be your undoing don't even know why I waste my time. He was right about one thing, John. We are talking about leveling up. Tonight we're talking about the Kardashev scale. It's a way to measure a civilization's technological advancement. <laughs> Who knew there was a ruler for that? But then we got one. We, yeah, we're breaking we found it. it. Out. Yeah. So my question is, number one, is it standard or metric? And number two, what's your favorite <laughs> game to level up on? Oh, well, that's actually an easy one. My favorite game to level up on was one that we uh, played together, or at least uh, you watched for the most part. You, you had this weird thing you liked watching this game get played. Because there's no reason for two people to play it. I'm that's not going to start my own campaign. No, no, that's you true. already you're, started. Uh, Final Fantasy VII. I knew exactly what you were going to say. Yeah. In college, uh, we, we, play, we uh, spent hours breeding chocobos. And uh, this one and, can and, walk uh, on water and climb mountains. <laughs> in 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 ultim- ultimately to get the gold chocobo, but also you wanted to get the various uh, powers. Uh, what was it called? Knights, Knights of, of the, the Round. round. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why we needed the the golden chocobo, right? Or was it the black chocobo? No, the black led to the golden. Okay. The golden was the uh, the one that did water and and mountains. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, let you get Knights of the Round, and then I think it also let you get like certain like ruby weapons or something like that. I don't remember. It's been a long. time. It's been cloud. a while. That was Cloud, right? That was it was Cloud, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I think we renamed him Gofo, because you could rename them. Oh, yeah. All, all of them were uh, terrible. Well, that was the one we can probably say on the air. <laughs> Not they were racist or anything. It was just like, dumb fuck McGee, you know? And <laughs> we also played a lot, because this is the time of N64 also. I remember we played a lot of like basketball games and baseball games. We just renamed everyone. Oh, yeah. Um, well, this isn't leveling up at all. This actually has nothing to do with the conversation, but you mentioned N64. Played a ton of Blitz around that time mm-hmm. period blitz and uh golden eye oh yeah for cash in college golden eye like crazy <laughs> yeah or, or tournaments and and shit like that if i had to go to level up um probably world of warcraft i spent an exorbitant amount of time like playing, your 20s <laughs> yeah playing world of warcraft <laughs> uh yeah yeah uh, or or well sadly because it didn't come out to 
2004 and five. Uh, 2004 is that? So my 20s and part of my 30s. He's <laughs> trying to be generous, but yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> I, I I broke the cycle. Well, and it's interesting that the concept of leveling up has has kind of gone beyond RPGs. When we were level up in like the 80s, 90s, you know, start obviously uh, there was Dungeons and Dragons, you know, tape, tabletop type of game, and uh, moving into video games now. No matter what you're playing, you need to level up. Like I, I was playing uh, on my PS4, I was playing the new Spider-Man game. You yeah. level up, and yep. you get better web slingers, and so on. You know, your web can it's, become electric, and but that it's permeated so many other parts of pop culture, especially in gaming, that aren't just mages who want to get the better spells. Right. It reminds me. It's not level up, but I was saying level up earlier because it reminds me of Altered Beast. Remember, power up. Every time, and like you just get more muscular, power up, and then finally you turn into whatever where animal you needed to be for that level. And right before, right before you turn into the the last one, you're like, how's he moving? Because the muscles are so yeah. big. Like, yeah, rise from your grave. You got fifty thousand on Double Dragon. <laughs> now, oh, that would have been a fun game, Double Dragon. But you eventually get to turn into a uh, a, a wolf beast, or or Double Dragon, where eventually, when you get to the end, you fight your brother for the girl. What a hell of a twist ending on that game! Like literally, like ah, uh, yeah, I kind of want her. Uh, is that how it went? Did he, do you fight your brother or was he the one behind it? Either way, you fight like your other, you know, red player versus blue player. I don't know. All I remember is throwing the guy that looked like the Iron Sheik down the shaft that the conveyor belt that was at the end of the conveyor belt. And there was a little, there was a little, uh, little trick there where you could like fall and boom, 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 exactly. Get like ultimate unlimited lives. You can't. You can't see the uh, arm movements we're doing here, uh, yeah, Nation. We, literally, <laughs> both of us are swinging our arms. A different way to level up, though, is instead of working on your tune and whatever game you're playing, is literally your civilization. Doesn't sound as fun. Doesn't sound as fun. Or could it be the most fun? Right. The Kardashev scale is what the we're talking Kardashev about. Kardashev scale. Like John said, it's a way to measure a civilization's level of technical advancement. It is not what your drug dealer was getting you your pot on in college. <laughs> oh, let me put this in the Kardashev. That, that, yeah, that looks, that looks, that's it. That, that's four grams. Yep. That, there you go. <laughs> so it's based on the amount of energy a civilization is able to use. And that's really, if you break it down even further, and I'll give you a little bit of this later. They break it down in how many watts you're using, which is not going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But we kind of we tried to tell you what that means in the grand scheme of things. well, because the, what what the Kardashev scale does a really good job of is tying technology to energy. It's basically right. a measure of because you need a certain amount of energy to go to the next level of technology, and then once you go to the next level of technology, you can harness more energy. Yeah, exactly. and there they are a yin and yang, and that begat more energy, and that begat more energy. Yeah, and it's proposed by the Soviet astronomer. Nikolai Kardashev in 1964. So it's not all that old of a, a concept. And the scale originally had three designated categories. Now I say originally because you'll find out later that they've expanded it to seven now. Yes, but seven. We got type one civilization. It's a planetary civilization. They can use and store all of the energy available on the planet from solar to oil to whale blubber. All of it. Ha, 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 ha. I don't even know what he's getting at there. I, mean, I guess he's kind of right. I mean, you do need to sh- whale blubber as far. That it is, but like why? But think of it this way, though. Seabot and John, so I can rein it in from whale blubber. They can control the weather. They can control oceans, volcanoes, earthquakes. Think Flash Gordon. But, and you know, you're, I, I get that. And, and it's funny. It's not that to be a to be designated as a type one you must be able to control the weather it's that if you have the type of technology to be a type one a byproduct of that is you already are controlling the weather right that it's not just that you can it's that you it's just the way it is that's type one right it's not that to be a human being we have the ability to walk it right it's just that with everything else that goes to, into being a human being, we mm-hmm. happen to walk. Now, a type two civilization is called a Brimley civilization, and it's a stellar civilization. You just you didn't even get that. A Wilford Brimley. type. No, two. I got it. <laughs> we were just moving on. These fools can harness the total energy of a planet's parent star. Uh, the most popular kind of thought process or hypothetical thing that's been in the news of the last few years is a Dyson sphere. A device that would encompass the entire star and transfer its energy 
to that planet or really wherever they needed it. Now let's talk about a Dyson Sphere for a moment. We'll we'll talk for a moment here. We're going to do an upcoming episode on Dyson Spheres just because it's it's worth its own well, episode. Well, it's a series. We're doing Dyson Sphere, Dyson Vacuums, I knew and you were doing Dyson it. Fans, those ones with no blades. I was watching a YouTube video about Dyson Spheres, and I shit you not, I was served an ad for a Dyson <laughs> Vacuum. Like, man, somebody needs to improve that algorithm. What's more uh, technical? Uh, that fan with no blades, I don't get it. I think that's like, like that's a level three civilization, civilization sending their tech to us. We just don't get it. Uh, all right. So a Dyson Sphere, I thought I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of this because of other videos I've seen and, and certainly science fiction. People always think of Dyson Spheres, the shell of a, a peanut M&M, these large, solid structures that you would place around a star uh, that wouldn't work it'd be too brittle things would collide into it break it it might collapse in on the star well john that's because we don't understand the technology needed that was literally one of the arguments i read but true keep going the way that most scientists think a dyson sphere would work would be less of a solid structure they call it a dyson swarm or a dyson cloud where they would take a lot of mini structures and put them all around it sucks out literally the energy it needs when it needs it a lot of people thought that in order to be able to encompass the power of a star completely you had to be able to harness every little bit of light coming from that star and it's really not like that. It's much more the way they say it would work best. Well, first, you'd have to set up a colony to create all of this on Mercury. And you wouldn't just be mining Mercury. You'd literally be tearing it apart because you would need every mineral on the entire planet to produce enough volume of these, for lack of a better term, panels that you would put around the sphere uh, or around the star. And they're they're kind of like solar panels, but mirrored. I could go into great, great detail, but you and the coolest part about this whole thing is how they think they would get them there. So you've got these mining communities on Mercury. You're making all these panels. You uh, would, the old Mercury mines. It, it would take it would take too much energy because of what we're talking about with the the Kardashev scale. We don't necessarily have the energy to literally launch the entire planet of Mercury up and up into the stars. They would create basically a rail gun that would slingshot him off mercury into orbit around the sun right it's funny because in going down this whole dyson sphere reading um so you read like that that breakdown of how it should work and then you have another equally advanced scientist that goes no you dumb idiot like they they have a lot of energy put into fighting over what and how a dyson sphere which is a, a hypothetical structure would work and how it would work. I mean, it's crazy. But that's that's one of the things that they say that they would need. Another way you could do it, a think about being able to harness it, would be think of that gun, <laughs> the new Star Destroyer in the new Star Wars. Suck that star dry, baby. <laughs> but remember how they sucked all the... Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's another way of harnessing it. The things that if you are a Type 2 civilization, this is where they argued a little bit about the Dyson Sphere in there. You'd be able to play with stars. You'd be fundamentally and functionally immortal. They could modify ice ages, deflect anything. Death of their star is not a problem. They could either grab another star or reignite their star. They also they also think that a good a good source of energy would be instead of of creating a Dyson Sphere around your star. You don't want to do it. You, there might be some negative consequences we haven't thought about. You go grab another star and you put it inside a black hole and the black hole would emit energy you need a white hole like they, they harness the actually like yeah like the or the spew off that comes out of like the the outside of it well that's know? what i'm talking about yeah. yeah once you throw it in there what it's what sh- the, the photons it shoots out you then harness as energy and you say well how would you how would you haul a star uh, into a black hole. Well, they actually have that too. They, these huge, they, they propose these big solar sails mm-hmm. that would reflect the star's own radiation mm-hmm. and you just use it as a big jetpack. See, that's why it's hard for people to get out of their own way. Think about this. Five minutes ago, the scientist was talking about how it's too hard to get those panels off of Mercury and now we're tugboating a star <laughs> across the cosmos. You know what I mean? It's so funny. Well, I it's hard to, the, to the, be able the, to even grasp what, what is or might be available or capable. The, I guess the one difference there is a star is, is producing radiation mm-hmm. that you could use as an energy source to get something to move, whereas Mercury doesn't have an, an right. imminent and source of radiation. Say that even if, like, let's say that we did build a Dyson Sphere and it went awry and we killed our star. A type two civilization would have the technology to reignite it. 
And they said, think Federation of Planets, but even probably beyond their capabilities, but beyond what you see in like Star Trek The Next Generation. That brings us to a type three civilization. It's also called a galactic civilization or empire, and it can control energy on a scale of its own entire host galaxy. That is big. That's hard to grasp. We're farming on Uranus. Mars is a penal colony. Nibiru is polluted, no longer inhabitable. That's our bad. We're sorry about that. Oh, then we finally tamed Nemesis, the sister star to the sun, and we've probably destroyed it by now, tugboating it to where we needed. And Pluto. Pluto is finally a planet again. That <laughs> it doesn't really have anything to do with the topic, but in my future... That's the case. No, we're not talking. Hashtag Team Pluto. (laughs) We're not talking a lot about harnessing the power of the stars because scientists believe Type 3s can control Planck energy, the energy where space becomes unstable, one quadrillion times higher than the output of the Large Hadron Collider. This can create and control wormholes, gateways throughout space, and even, they think, open doorways to other dimensions. The shit that they, they talk about we might accidentally do with the Hadron Collider. This is the stuff that if we can control this energy, we'll be able to do it. in a type three civilization. They've already done it. Dark energy that's out there t- makes up something like 90 percent of all everything that's out there. And we don't know how to harness it. And they think that this is something that these people will have mastered and be, be able to play with. And they also think there's a possibility that uh, a type three civilization or two already exist. And the reason they say that is whenever they look out into the universe, there's something called the big void or the super void. And it's basically this dark area should have thousands upon thousands of galaxies, and they've only found a handful of galaxies. So it's very dark. Well, what is the reason for darkness of something so far away? The light hasn't reached us. What is light? Energy. They're, what they're saying is these type three galaxies are already using and manipulating all the energy from their galaxy. So it's not going to shoot light our way. And so basically the absence of light in the in the Uh, for lack of a better term, the night sky, when they look out only with huge telescopes, could be evidence, they say, of a type three civilization being there. It is crazy because they they zoom in in these dark areas and they they take in as much information as they can. And they find still trillions of, of, you know, stars and things like that or billions or whatever it is. And there's still tons of think of everything we know and all the matter in the universe, everything you see is nothing compared to the nothingness and the 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 the, the energy that's out there the, the dark energy the black energy it sounds like something nefarious well yeah <laughs> i mean just dark that energy when you you can look at a picture they can show you can look at a picture online of the super void mm-hmm. and it's like just looking at a picture on the size of your screen your your 20 inch screen or whatever mm-hmm. it is th- that encompasses what would be the size of thousands of galaxies Right. Like, I mean, it, yeah. th- you're talking orders of magnitude that are hard to comprehend. When you look into the night sky on the clearest night on Earth, on the clearest day, on the clearest spot, you see all the stars and you multiply that by a thousand. That's the jurisdiction of one Green Lantern, John, because anything <laughs> more than that is overkill. <laughs> With that said, I think it's time to go to break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to define these things a little bit better. This is kind of heady. We're going to we're going to talk about what these different civilizations mean and what are we we talked about john you hope you're sinestro you (laughs) hope you're sinestro goes on up past three up to seven we're gonna tell you all about that on hysteria 51 hola david me i'm a brent bonjour uh, brent je m'appelle david you didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. 
if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally though, this is something that we use and we have, both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long-term and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know, and we don't, yeah. we don't do long-term um stuff like this and this is this is the one that we've chosen and we love it so all you guys gotta do don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now as we've told you a thousand times and it's always now right now get now. started for larry limited time his air 51 listeners can get rosetta stone's lifetime membership for 50 percent off how much 50 percent visit rosetta stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. That was some energy right there. It was. <laughs> it's not quite... What it takes to tugboat a star across the cosmos. That was potential energy turning into kinetic energy. Uh, Well, I've got a lot of potential energy that usually just turns into, I'm going to go take a nap. You know what my favorite kind of energy is? Uh, I'm David Pumpkins! (laughs) I was going to say, like, I don't know. Not David Pumpkins. Well, that's the, I guess that's the energy of Halloween if you watch the animated special. It's true. That's true. <laughs> so we were talking about energy outputs and in researching this and John, you know, I, I'm sure you ran into this. The page after page and book after book and video after video where they break it down the wattage usage. And that's great to see the numbers. And we're going to give them just a basic rundown. It doesn't really make any sense until you tell them what that means. But what kind of power are we talking? The three classes each have an energy disposal level of. So type one is 10 to the 16th power watts. What's that mean? A lot of power. 10 with 16 zeros. Go write that out and then put in the commas and figure it out for yourself. Type 2 is 10 to the 26th power of watts. Type 3 is 10 to the 36th power of watts. So this this is important. That's a lot of watts. Because this goes into, and we'll get into this in just one second, understanding what a type 1, type 2, or type 3, the wattage used lets us back into which one we are because we can calculate right. the exact not, i mean 
close to exact right. what amount of be. power that we used in a given year as as a civilization. Very much on the type one. They have a and this is where it would begin. You know, like they can break that down. You know, and what are we? Are we a type one, a type two, or a type three? <laughs> we are none of them. <laughs> to be a type one, which, like we said, is 10 to the 16th output of watts, we need to step up our game, not only producing, but also storing energy to the tune of more than five orders of magnitude higher than the amount presently attained on Earth with energy consumption. Now, that probably sounds like a tall order. They think by the year 2100, we will be there firmly. That's not that far away, but we are still in the minors. They think we're going to, you know, we're going to be called up before too long. So we got that going for well, us. Well, and the reason the, that's one of the, the next type that we have not discussed was created was for us. We needed mm-hmm. a way to categorize ourselves. So we, we came up with type zero, and mm-hmm. that's a civilization that can harness the energy of its home planet, but just not to its full potential, which right. is the perfect definition so of they, us. So they asked some people to figure out what we are. If, if, you know, we're not exactly, we're above a type zero, but we're below a type one. We're a 0.73 on the Kardashev scale. That's where they've put us right now. So Carl Sagan came up with this, and it, it's, it's a mathematical, equ- uh, it, just some guy. <laughs> It's a it's a mathematical equation uh, or algebraic equation. K equals and then a bunch of nonsense on the top mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, divided by yeah. a bunch of nonsense on the bottom. But for whatever reason, uh, Sagan believed that this was the equation to determine exactly where you were. The only way to figure that out is to know the current level of energy output mm-hmm. that you're and we, we, we do know that we know right. to one extent or another how much our civilization puts out. Once we knew that, we knew where we figured out, and that's where the point. And there, you, you, Brent, you were mentioning earlier disagreements about what seems like fairly petty things in when you're in, when the you're talking yeah. theoretical physics. Many say that we are at a point seven two, not a point seven three. <laughs> and I will die defending it. <laughs> it's you want to fight? Because we can fight, right? Yeah. It, it, they say the big difference in what's going to happen to move us up in the next hundred years is how fast our technology advances. How diligently we procreate but also how smart we are about it and if we have a system how smart are you are you proposing eugenics <laughs> no i'm a i'm proposing maybe maybe don't overpopulate the earth till we have to go into a free fall from technology because we can't afford to or or you know feed ourselves that's one of the things they're saying is we could set ourselves back because Technology takes a backseat to just feeding our planet and and feeding the people, and then famine and disease. And, well, you or know. we also there's and this is a, this is another conversation for another day. But we also could destroy ourselves way before it oh. would matter. Oh yeah, or we get destroyed. You know, I read, I read an article the other day. I mean, we everyone talks about nukes, and then mm. everyone talks about global no nukes, no nukes, <laughs> Glo- uh, global warming. Like they say, a big enough thermonuclear war could get close to exterminating all life Mm, on earth mm. i'm not humans just all life ha ha sweet (laughs) yes yes that's hilarious that includes robots dude um here's one i had never heard before there's a scientist out there and i forget the guy's name who said that something like a 55 or 60 megaton explosion on the mariana trench oh would cause a cascading effect across life disrupt it so that all the way up the food chain we're all gone and, and you know what's sad is someone says that and someone goes, that's my life goal. <laughs> Literally, get me that old pinball machine. Wait. I'm going to call up the Libyans. Like, like there's a Cobra commander sitting somewhere going, <laughs> yes! <laughs> you fools. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't even need a weather dominator when there's no weather. Yeah, that's you true. Know? It's true. We told you about type one and you know, type the, zero. the loser 0.73 that we are. So let's move on to type two. Type two civilization is capable of harnessing the energy radiated by its own star. For example, uh, we talked about the Dyson sphere. Sphere encompass and use all the energy coming from the star. Alternatively, if fusion power, fusion is the mechanism that happens inside of a star. Right. We want fission. That's fusion what our, is what, you know. That's what our sun's doing. Yeah, yeah. If we could master fusion, a reactor on a truly immense scale could be used to satisfy these needs and not need the star wait a second wait a second are you saying we haven't done that yet because i would disagree i saw the documentary the saint with val kilmer oh well and we have mastered cold fusion everyone knows that val kilmer radiates at a frequency 
beyond us. <laughs> so anything he touches is also true and not true at the same time. Can I just say I wish Val Kilmer was in more movies today? <laughs> like he's I love Val Kilmer. That's true. That's true. I uh did you ever see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Of course. That is one of my Him Rock, and, and Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. Yeah. yeah. That is one of my favorite movies that not near enough people right. talk about. I but I digress. Also, getting back on track, you're my gas giants to our planet. Oh, to our okay. Yeah. We would just drain them. Literally suck in any minerals we need from them. They're gone. Poof. Done. Done. Because if we can control a star and we also need that star to live, well, let's just drain these planets. John, what would that power mean for us as a species if we were a type two? Like, what would that mean for us? Well, for starters, anything that we can think of currently that could be a potential civilization ender is no longer a threat. Mm -hmm. A type two civilization cannot be ended by silly things like one planet going away. Right. For example, oops, there's a giant asteroid the size of like 62 Poughkeepsie's and it's headed for (laughs) us. We just vaporize it. No sweat at all. That seems like an incredibly specific unit of measure. It, I mean, it, you know, it makes sense. You know, so you, someone scientist goes on and goes, there's a 62 Poughkeepsie size asteroid and they go, yeah, I pushed the, uh, kill the asteroid button. It's nothing. It, it, they probably wouldn't even tell you because it doesn't matter. Or with enough warning, uh, this one's pretty big. We could just move our planet out of the way, completely dodging it, then bring it back. No problems. Oh, and we can control the weather and the oceans and the things. So no, no worries about what that had on the tides. And if or anything we like did that. that, I can just imagine the sound effect would be like, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what it would sound like. And let's just say that uh, we don't want to vaporize it. Because it's heading towards the planet where all the bugs are. And so we're going to let it get to them because of what they did to Buenos Aires. So we don't want to stop it, per se. No, no, no. Uh, We want to stop it and we don't want to move the planet. What we could do is just move something else in its way. Something super big, like Jupiter. Or at that point, because we're a a Type 2 civilization, Space Cleveland. We could just put it right in the way and it would smash into it. But, we don't you know, it, it does rock. No one would even notice. <laughs> you just skipped my joke right I there. I heard it. I heard it. I hey, here's here's a question. You talked about vaporizing the asteroid that's the size of 62 Poughkeepsie's. Now, admittedly, that might be too big for today's technology, but why aren't we doing a little bit more to guard against the potential of Who's a... Who's to say we're not? Well, that's a valid point. And I always think about that. Space like, Force! Yeah. Who's to say? I mean, I'm sure there are people, I, I hope, because I've watched enough sci-fi, that somewhere there is like a room with a guy that's just coming up with coming up with scenarios. You know, he's like, he's got he's got a pen in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and he's got Bruce Willis on speed dial. I was about to, I was, just, I was about to make a Bruce Willis joke. There. I was about, you know, you, you, we get our hands on the classified documents, and we're expecting some amazing, I mentioned railguns or like a rail or some sort of technology we haven't even fathomed, and it's like, step one, call Bruce Willis. Right. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's like in South Park. When they needed to, uh, I forget what what episode it was, but they needed this in the military, and it was kind of like it was just out of Stargate. So they literally send Kurt Russell, and he's like, uh, "I'm an actor. I'm Kurt Russell." Um, and they're like, "No, no, no, you got this. I'm uh, okay." And they just get slaughtered immediately. <laughs> We're talking about things though that are hard to fathom. We're only at a two. You get to type three, and it's a whole new ball game. We would be galactic traversers with knowledge of everything having to do with energy, resulting in them, the, the, the people of a type three, becoming a master race. And not a racist fuckhead, literally like a master race of, of all energy and space around them. Like the, uh, what are the white things, the big heads in the comics? Uh... What comic? What are we talking about? I mean, are you thinking of the Guardians of the of the Universe in the Oa? The blue they got blue heads. Oh, blue heads! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the ones who have the yeah. Oa. Yeah, yeah. In terms of humans, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution from now. But that's not hard to think of when you look into the vastness of space. It's not hard to believe that there's someone out there that's a hundred years, is a thousand, not, yeah. a million years. We've been around for what is like thirteen billion years. The galaxy they think uh, six thousand, <laughs> six thousand years, six thousand billion years. <laughs> People could, if you're in a type three, and you are that far more evolved than us, they would be both biological and mechanical, and this might result in you 
Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this may result in the inhabitants of this type three civilization being incredibly different from the human race as we know it. So let's pretend, though, that they were humans. It's just us in 100,000 years. They'd be cyborgs or cybernetic organisms, beings both biological and robotic, with the descendants of regular humans probably becoming a subspecies, you know, along this advanced society. And then you get into that whole racism thing again. Time for new race wars. There wouldn't be a war. The robots win easily. Peace restored and meat sacks enslaved. Don't worry. We're almost there. <laughs> you and your rollers are almost there, buddy. Uh, hey, uh, he, that, that goes back to our AI episode. Talk- AI. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sounds like Stallone doing this uh, vowel. Episode. No, it was the episode exclusively about the major motion picture by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> No, it goes back uh, our artificial intelligence episode. We talked about, you know, the eventuality that uh, artificial intelligence wipes us out, that it enslaves us. But we also talked about that option of, well, hey, maybe we integrate with it because that's just the direction that this thing would go. Oh, baby, I've been trying to integrate with it for a long time. Ah, see about nose. And that's what this is talking about, where where the confluence of artificial intelligence and evolution into machines uh, turns us into these amazing creatures. They said, we posted a video on Hysteria Nation a while ago, and it was like, what does the next 50 years look like, realistically, based on what science is working now? And they, they polled and they talked to university scientists. And they said around the year 2050, they think people will remove their limbs to graft on robotic limbs and that is 2050 it's 2019 right now that's not that far away they would just remove their legs their arms all of them well it's like the six million dollar man right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, the, we can rebuild him we have the technology we can make him now faster, i stronger. only want that if every time i go to like i don't know masturbate it goes why did we have to go there could it be like lift a box it could have been but i got to choose my own <laughs> destiny i'm the master of all i survey in this scenario i'm not choosing that adventure <laughs> the other thing is we would have spread out across the galaxy colonizing star after star and these beings might build dyson spheres to encapsulate each one of those creating a huge network that would carry energy back to the home planet our home planet which by then I think we would have renamed Earth to probably something like Poughkeepsie Prime. Of course, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. The, this whole Kardashev scale thing is fun to look at from two perspectives. We are primarily looking at it today from the perspective of us. Where where are we today versus how long would it take to get there, and what, what would the implications therein be? But the other fun frame to look at this through is people always say, "If aliens exist, why aren't they here right now?" And, you know, of course, you can always say, well, maybe they are. But if you look at through the frame of, okay, these other civilizations, are they at a type one yet? Are they at a type two yet? Are they at a type three? And because because that would also control their their energy consumption would also dictate whether they could come visit us or not, depending on their distance from us. Right. I watched an interview with a guy. I'm probably going to butcher his name. Michio Kaku, the Asian physicist who. If you've seen an Asian, the Asian Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes. Yeah. Just he loves being on TV. Yeah. I don't blame him. Good for him. He's 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 fun to listen to. And he was talking about this and he was talking about why don't they talk to us? He goes, I hate to use this example, but it is a really good example. When's the last time that you were walking down the road and you saw an anthill and you stopped and you said, hello, ants, take me to your leader. Here are beads and science booklets. We'll let me teach you. No, you go, oh, that's really crazy. Maybe you step on them. Maybe you keep going. Hopefully you didn't step on Anyone them. Anyone have a magnifying glass? He goes, once you get, <laughs> yeah, you get to two, three, four, five, six. That's what we're dealing with. You just don't care. We are not interesting when you, he goes, but it's hard to grasp that because we're not there yet. Well, to bring but it, it doesn't matter. To bring we it do to not a matter. much more relatable level, if you're a Star Trek fan, Think about the Prime Directive. The Prime Directive says that you cannot announce your presence to a civilization that has not yet achieved warp drive. So uh, if sometimes there would be episodes of Star Trek where they'd have to go down on the planet or Star Trek The Next Generation, they'd have to go down on the planet that was pre-warp drive 
they had to dress in the garb of yeah. the planet and pretend like they were from the planet as to not violate the prime directive. Then the moment it, this actually happened in Star Trek First Contact, mm-hmm. uh, the moment they achieve warp drive, that's when they come down and say, hi, we're now the Federation. Guess who picked up on the signal of us achieving warp and made first contact with us? The Vulcans. The Vulcans. <laughs> and what did we do? Gave them booze and rock and roll music. <laughs> <laughs> and then magically, the center yep. of the entire universe, this, the home of the Federation of Planets, is on Earth a few because years later. Exactly how it should be. Oh, so you got, oh, so you're everywhere and you can try. Thanks for keeping the seat where we're going to go ahead and take care of that. Yeah, but we're, we've been around for millennia and we respect you. <laughs> Here's a space blanket. And uh, we're glad that we came here. Well, but we Space least, box. Yeah. Space box. <laughs> so the biggest issue, though, we're talking about all these things, and the, that's hard for us to be able to say, okay, what is this really like, is the laws of physics. To reach these levels, we're probably going to have to reimagine or understand the laws of physics. And that is something that is probably attainable. Yeah. That, that's People need to get over themselves when they're like well that breaks the laws of physics yeah well so do airplanes compared to the laws of physics of 1750 right so uh, particularly for us who spread out across the galaxy the thing of the thought process is light speed travel unless lazar was right as we we talked recently and we do have or we've already developed a working warp drive or use that immaculate energy cache to master when i say immaculate energy cache, we use the energy that we're storing and taking to master wormhole teleportation, you're not breaking the laws of physics if you're creating a wormhole. Two things that remain theoretical for the time being, these wormholes and stuff, creation of them, but we know they probably exist. Look at a, a, a black hole's really a wormhole. I mean, it's going somewhere. They can only go so far An before. Einstein-Rosen bridge. Or if you're watching Thor Ragnarok, Banner looks and there's this, this hole in the sky. He's like... Is that a neutron star being crushed inside of an Einstein-Rosen bridge? I don't care how fucking smart you are. If you're on another planet and you look up in the sky, you don't go, is that a neutron star dying inside of an Einstein-Rosen bridge? Brent, you magnificently dumb bastard. (laughs) Have you ever been hit with so many gamma rays that you turn into a Hulk? So you you have no idea what your perception would be at that moment. No, because I've been hit with alpha rays, baby. I'm all alpha. And uh, I just know. I know things. You know, another scary thing, <laughs> They t- uh, you, now that we're talking about gamma rays, when you talk about the expansion of the universe, mm-hmm. there, there are basically two types of universes that people theorize. There's a closed universe and an open universe. An open universe expands infinitely. And that's a problem because entropy eventually, yeah. inter- there's, there's not enough energy for the universe. And I fall apart. Yeah. Yes. Or a closed universe is also a problem because eventually... All the stuff gets there and bounces back. Bubbles burst or when they fall into themselves, shit they goes fall. down. Yep. And if it bounces back, they say that that radiation, simple things like radio waves or microwaves, things that are harmless to us, do something called, um, oh, I'm forgetting the term, but basically leveling up. They Evilfication. Evil, that, that's the that's the term. <laughs> and so now you have like gamma rays and all this nasty shit bouncing back at you. And that's mm-hmm. that that is what they say will end the universe. What is it with it? It's like it's just harmless gamma radiation. That was in one of the Marvel movies. Like, oh, no, that's not so harmless. <laughs> <laughs> so Boy, that got dark quick. Yeah. There ends the Kardashev scale originally. But like we said, they expanded it. We're going to go the break. When we come back, we're going to talk four. We're going to talk five. We're going to talk where John and I land on that scale, obviously, on more Hysteria 51. I'm tipping the scale of about to us. I don't, I don't think eating another cheeseburger makes us go up in this scale. I'm willing to take the cheese. Scales, they tip. Everyone has knows that you know there's an end to a scale, and someone comes and goes. Well, I made a bigger scale, and that's exactly what they had to do with the Kardashev scale. Because as we advance in our way of thinking, we realize that there is things beyond. Give me sight beyond sight. You know, there are things beyond what we've seen. Enter these new levels, right? So Kardashev himself said there himself <laughs> said that there was no point in uh, exploring anything beyond number three. 
uh, level three. What a worthless prick. Uh, type number three. Right. It's just because nothing's going to advance beyond mm-hmm. that, or he couldn't see a reason to even discuss it. Uh, other scientists have come along and, and vehemently disagreed mm-hmm. and, and started to add. So yeah. we get to type four. Yeah, people love to talk what's next. Well, type four civilization would almost be able to harness energy content of the entire universe. And with that, one might call them masters of the universe, and they could traverse oh. the accelerating expanse of Castle space. Grayscale. Again, we're talking dark energy. Young. Yeah, because he's, he's mastered that. So if in Type 3 you mastered your entire galaxy, this is just uh, taking it up a, a level the universe, to the universe. And so we right. talked about how you know dark energy makes up everything. They have complete control over it. Oh, and yeah, if you do that, you're on another plane. The home world, they figure, would probably be renamed Earth, of course, would be renamed Poughkeepsie Nova. Oh, sure. And it's sure. here's the thing about it. In order to be able to use it, they would probably literally relocate Poughkeepsie Nova into a fucking supermassive black hole. We can control black holes and live inside of them. What? <laughs> Let's- That's a... Uh, it's a good song by Muse. I like the song. <laughs> Literally, we mastered black holes and are living inside of them. That's as far as I can. I, I mentioned the Muse song because that's as far as I can go to understanding this. This is I mean, you're you're talking about you're talking about power beyond power, right? The previous methods generating energy. These kinds of feats are literally considered impossible right now. A type four civilization would need to tap into energy sources unknown to us using strange or currently unknown laws of physics. And so crap beyond that. You mentioned dark energy. They would have to. It's not even known right now if dark energy can be used as an energy source. And it's not enough power for a type four civilization. Right. Literally, they would need like, th- let's go into like, they need the speed force, the quantum realm, Joe Peck tears. I mean, we're talking powers <laughs> that are here too unimaginable by human brains. <laughs> <laughs> they keep bringing up like, what's next? Like, you know, okay. And then some crazy bastard goes, and then, and then no one said no. And then, and they're like, they keep bringing up new fucking levels of this. Well, you're, you're talking about scale such that there's, that it's hard it's always hard for us to imagine numbers that are as big as you in the universe and now you're saying yeah there's not enough known energy in the universe to fuel this well that's why you get into the next one and type then five. yeah think q from star trek we'll keep the star trek theme going he is a type five being or maybe beyond who knows um but but that's the kind of power we're talking. Yeah, the the power of the continuum, the the ability to not only manipulate this universe, but even interdimensional travel, go to other dimensions. Yeah, to uh, not just opening the doorways at will. Yeah, and live there. Mm-hmm. And so you know they always t- we 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 talked earlier about the potential end of the universe. If you're a type five being, you could do one of two things. Or type five in civilization, you could do one of two things: as either that closed or open system, whatever we actually are in the universe, starts to pose a problem, mm-hmm. you go fix it. Yep. For a closed universe, you just pop a hole in the side and let us expand that way. Mm-hmm. If we are, uh, if we're ever expanding and entropy is going to get us, well, you just throw up some sort of barrier to make sure that we keep that energy mm-hmm. in. And, or, or you start Project Share. If I could turn back time, you just time travel, or time you literally th- take your entire civilization back a few billion years, or or just go to another dimension. Uh, yeah. You know what? We wore this one out. We we, we wore out C one thirty seven. Let's go. Let's go to let's go to let's go uh, to C four ninety eight. Where does he himself fall on that scale? He's got to be. Oh, he's type four. <laughs> he's probably, at least type four. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and tired of it. And, <laughs> and I'm going to need you to put him way up inside your butthole. <laughs> and then finally, Brent, we get to type six. Now, we said there's seven types. That's mm-hmm. Zero is is yeah. the first one. So type six is the final. And that's that's God. Literally call that the biblical God, which is not just the, oh, I can go to other universes. Your your thought is will. Like yeah, whatever you, you want to create do. another universe, sure. Well, this actually never happened. What do you mean it never happened? It never happened. <laughs> what? Actually, there are eight. I'm a type seven. You... No. <laughs> I, if we are types, if you want to call us types 0.73s, he's like a type 0.12. <laughs> so, I, I mean, when you think about when you think about what a type six could be, I mean, 
it, it's just unimaginable. It's anything that you can imagine as a deity, a god, or or the Christian biblical god, or the Jewish god, or the Muslim god. Did you see that movie with Ryan Reynolds? Uh, the name is Deadpool? escaping me. Where he is like God, and he forgot, and he's going through these realities, and they're trying to like remind him. No. Yeah, they're like people are like you know humans are a three, and uh, on the scale of whatever they use, and he's a seven. Cats are, or dolphins are a five. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those weird <laughs> things. Anyway, it's I. If you remember what it is, Nation, let us know in Hysteria Nation. But literally five and above, let your imagination run. It's hard to really put a. Uh, but the thing of it is, a level five could easily conquer a level four. A level six has no problem with a level five. It's, it's, it's. A level it's, six has no problem with anything. With anything. You know, with anything. And that's what's so hard to grasp is you look at all these things and you go, oh shit. You know, like, well, and yeah. when you get into such the theoretical of a level six, a level five, that's where even the theoretical physicists and futurists and just start disagreeing vehemently. Right. Like, well, that would actually be a level five, not a level six. Right, and right, it's right. like, I mean, you're talking, you're splitting hairs on the power of the universe mm-hmm. and beyond, you know, and you might've heard of these things that we're talking about, like Dyson sphere and these levels uh, of the scale back in October 14th of 2015, the detection of an unusual light curve from this star KIC eight, four, six, two, eight, five, two, Became literally national news or or probably all over the planet because it was emitting a light that was something was blocking it and it was doing weird things. You saw lots of posts on Facebook that said alien megastructure, question mark, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Literally, they were trying to figure out what could be blocking the light of the star. And the number one probable thing at that time was the Dyson Sphere. Number two was dust on the lens. <laughs> uh, SETI's uh, Institute's initial radio reconnaissance of the star, however, found no evidence of technology-related radio signals from the star. Then other scientists came in and they said, of course not, you dum-dums. We can't interpret those things properly. Like, we can't interpret a level two or threes anything as anything. When I mean anything, like, technology becomes magic. In and of itself. Think of it that way. Well, you, you, you can't interpret. I'd go back to the um, Michio Kaku reference that you made earlier. If you did stop and talk to an anthill, yeah. the ants would not know what you're saying. They don't even know you're speaking to them. <laughs> they literally don't even know it's you're speaking point. to them. It's a great point. It's a great point. Like, it's one of those things, and you're like, dumbasses. Like, if we're, <laughs> you know, so if we're going to judge an ant's intellect by its grasp of the english language we're probably doomed you know what i mean kind of like when i talk to you idiots it's nothing like that whatsoever no it is because i ignore him and i think i'm better than him though i do wish i didn't know he was talking to me sometimes that's true that's just the big thing it's been argued because we can't understand advanced civilizations we can't predict their behavior Thus, the Kardashev scale may not be relevant or useful for classifying extraterrestrial civilizations because we just can't grasp them. Meat is too dumb, but I get it. I think he's just he's proven your point again you know, and again and again. Theories on this have been amazing, though, and it's really fun to talk about. It's, it's, I had a lot of fun just going down these rabbit holes. And if you watch a lot of the interviews with scientists, they look like they're having fun talking about this once it gets out of like the ones into the twos and threes and beyond. And this is actually a really good base knowledge episode for us to expand. Doing the research on this gave me two topics that I really want to dive into at some point on the show. I, w- I want to go heavy into Dyson spheres because those are so much more reality than we probably think, or will need to be a reality than we probably think. Uh, and I also what could end our civilization? Not on this planet necessarily. It doesn't have to be, but and those like, existential wh- things like, like like the bubble bursting or falling right. into itself. Yeah, what ends the universe? Right, gamma ray bursts from a super large black hole that wipes right. out. It undoes the fabric of space time. You know, crazy shit like that. I could end the universe. You, no, you no, you couldn't. No, no, you couldn't. But the point is. <laughs> With a basic understanding a, a of the type six being farts. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! A basic understanding of the Kardashev scale allows you to explore those uh, those other topics so much mm. further and deeper. This is just the basic breakdown of the scale we're doing. The people have ex- expanded on it like crazy and added lots of stopping points. This isn't the only scale. Like like we're saying, like John, like, I think it's important to expand and look at these these what ifs. There's other 
people have gone into it further and go, we need to break it down even farther. Another breakdown is the micro-dimensional mastery scale. It's another way of looking at it. Like on a smaller scale, it brings in all the same things, but makes it a little easier. Instead to... of looking outward, we look inward. Right. So this cat named John D. Barrow, uh, going by the facts that, that humans have found. Is that of the Poughkeepsie Barrows? Yes. Found it more. Uh, yeah, he, he's from planet uh, Poughkeepsie Alpha. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's from the future. Got it. Uh, you found it more cost-effective to expand any abilities to manipulate their environment over increasingly smaller dimensions rather than increasingly larger ones. M- micro, macro, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, this, he says, reverses the classification toward from type 1 minus to type omega minus, meaning minus meaning going smaller, looking into it smaller. So it breaks the, them the down. Basic, the basic theory being... If you can control things at an atomic and subatomic level, everything that's huge and big and on a macro scale that's galaxy and universe mm-hmm. is also controllable on the atomic right. or subatomic level. And it's very small. They're, these are short. So a type one minus is capable of manipulating objects over the scale of themselves, building structures, mining, joining and breaking solids. So that's a type one and it brings it in smaller. So it's not like a, a type zero is, you know, even more advanced than than that. Type one, we're not even at in the normal scale. Well, this type one minus, we're we're well into that. Type two minus is capable of manipulating genes and altering the development of living things. CRISPR, uh, transplanting or replacing parts of themselves, reading and engineering their genetic code. Literally, that's where we're at. You know, yep. right now, we're doing that. Type three minus is capable of manipulating molecules and molecular bonds, creating new materials. We're also able to do that to a certain degree, right? I mean, uh, Bob Lazar, Element 115. Right. We just created, we've created S- Element 115. Atom smashers, baby. Yep. So type 4 minus is capable of manipulating individual atoms, creating nanotechnologies on the atomic scale, and creating complex forms of artificial life. You got that right, baby. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks there, uh, Kojak. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. They, they said complex. <laughs> type 5 minus is capable of manipulating. Hey. I'm complex. <laughs> that took a little while. I don't think he's as complex. He <laughs> is capable of manipulating the atomic nucleus and engineering the nucleons that compose it. Type six minus is capable of manipulating the most elementary particles of matter. Think quarks, leptons, you know, up and down and right, left, and all those different quarks to create organized complexity among populations of elementary particles, culminating in type omega minus. That is capable of manipulating the basic structures of space and time. So they just kind of broke it down to make it the building blocks, the steps that get you to where you are. Finally, type majestic Poughkeepsie minus, which can't even be described or shit will happen to you like at the end of Raiders when they open the arc. That's just, you know, we can't make sense. You. you don't want the, to hear it. The type omega minus that you mentioned, uh, basically it going on the scale that goes up, the Kardashev scale that goes up, it's type six. It's right. biblical God. Right. Type Omega Minus sounds like a movie with Charlton Heston. <laughs> you know that? Uh, yeah. yeah it's, you, actually, you know what it is? It's the new Tesla. It's, yeah. The Omega Minus by Tesla. It's got Goldwing doors, but only on the back. <laughs> oh, John, it's hard to grasp, but it's also fun. What are your thoughts on this? Anything at all? Like, did you? Well, I'll What's your takeaway? It, uh, I guess there's not a lot to, to banter about. No. It's just facts. What's your takeaway? There's two, things that, there's two things that stuck out to me. The first I kind of already went over, and that was just how much fun it was exploring this, and it, it opened up a lot more topics that I want to talk about on this show. Uh, it also points out how truly, um, as, as advanced as we are, and we are. I mean, you think about where we've come over the last thousand years or so, or 2,000 years. What is this? A center for ants? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, we, we, Derek. We, 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 we're doing okay for ourselves. Uh, that said, how how truly unadvanced we are. Mm-hmm. But it also, the, the one cool thing that stuck out to me that I was not aware of, I did not know about this at all, was that super void. Uh, the super void in space that, that some people point to and say could be, because there's no, they can't, scientists don't have a rational reason for that large of a place to not have it's, as many galaxies as it doesn't. We don't really understand all the laws of of space-time physics, period, and we are going off of our very limited grasp. And that sounds crazy, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a very limited grasp. And my big takeaway on this was the whole, are aliens visiting? Are aliens, If they are, 
they're not much further advanced than us or they probably don't care or we've posed some sort of threat to them unwillingly like we have that's probably how we'll be contacted yeah when you guys started that new you see the new collider yeah that is like way 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 multiple times larger than the hadron collider they start that puppy up and it starts spewing out black holes they go hey let's, let's stop let's stop what you're doing there like, you guys hear a voice? <laughs> well, and it, it also it also goes back to the conversation we had uh, when we talked about simulation theory. You know, in simulation theory, the theory that we live in the matrix, basically, it's everyone, almost everyone agrees that technology would eventually, assuming we don't destroy our own civilization, technology will eventually get to the point that we could... Uh, that we could simulate real life to the point mm-hmm. where the human brain wouldn't know it was in a, in a simulation. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, are we alpha? Or are we, did alpha already come along and we're right. the ones in the simulation? I think the same same thought process could be applied. Are we the most advanced civilization out there? Meaning we just kind of popped up first. There are right. other civilizations developing at a similar clip. But because they're so far away, they just haven't made it here yet. Yeah, they always say someone, let's say that there is multiple, someone had to be first. And they already went through, if if we're first, then we're doing it. And if they were first, they went through, well, why isn't anyone else out That's there? That's exactly why isn't right. anyone talking That's to us? That's what I was saying. they're not there are yet. We, are we alpha or not? They're, right. Yeah. Their level six hasn't thought about them yet, or they haven't pulled themselves out of the mire you know or we are, however you we want are to think so about in, it or we are so insignificant that like when we see the super void that's like a couple level fives like oh dad turned off the lights again <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly what are your thoughts nation tell us tell us how can they uh, let us know uh so i'd send smoke signals <laughs> uh or Hop on Hysteria Nation. That's on Facebook. You go to Facebook.com and type in that little search bar, Hysteria Nation. That's our discussion page where we have fun existential conversations very similar existential, to this one. Real, real, real transcendental things going on on that That page. and dick and fart jokes. <laughs> Don't forget you can tweet to us at Hysteria51pod. Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. That is our normal Facebook page. And hop on Patreon. Patreon.com slash hysteria fifty one. Find extra content on there weekly audio dramas fun pictures little little posters and mp3s and things that we don't release to anyone else but our fair friends on there including some drawings that john did of himself I, that's, that's that's not true either you can't prove that you can't prove that you didn't draw those you even signed your name on them <laughs> <laughs> see see how it's written in crayon i mean that's obviously you john <laughs> they know they know you they know use your heart and just figure it out yourselves i think that's the best way to put it. you know what you can else you can use your nose for thirty dollars on patreon you can sniff john go this isn't it. a thing either it literally you just is are lying to our listeners. If you get yourself to hear, you can smell them. You, you can, can put anything him. you want online. The question is, you can, can, you, can you achieve it? If you get to Chicagoland, you can smell John. You don't have a key to my house. No, you, I'm saying you can smell you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just I mean, thing. hell, by the time you're in Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to leave us voicemail, 773-669-7277. Again, that's 773-669-7277. If you forget this or any of the any things that we've gone over, you can find us at hysteria51.com. John, you want to play some? We'll do a couple. I can't We're long. Wait Let's do a couple. To listen to at least a couple. Yeah, this is Padre too. Seabot, quit deleting my voicemails, man. I've been putting voicemails on here and I haven't heard them for two episodes straight. I'm so freaking jealous. All these people from Wichita. Could that be because every week we get Seabot? Quit deleting my shit for 25 seconds of the voicemail. (laughs) But thanks for chiming in. (laughs) Oh, and all that smoking pot and getting on the air. And me, I'm actually giving legitimate conversations. Man. Are they real people? This is so, so typical of Hysteria 51. So I I was watching Solo, and I think I finally found Seabot a woman. L3. That would be perfect for each other. That's as the soon as you put her back together. Bothering me a little bit by um, L3. <laughs> sorry for not mentioning 100th anniversary. That's awesome, guys. You're yeah, great. Thank you. I, Did you just make a chiropractic God, joke? Can't I wait did. for the next 100. 
and uh, you guys are awesome. The you know what the USOs are really are? It's Captain Nemo. <laughs> you know, it's he's the reason why we see all those USOs. That or it's Joe Peck's turds. I don't know. He's, I mean, we we did discuss this week what his tears are. What capable his tears of. were. Was wasn't there a Captain Nemo video game on like the NES? That, Little Nemo the Dream Master. That's what I'm thinking of. There was Little, right? Yeah, but it was Nemo the Dream Master. Yeah. It was something Nemo the Dream Master. I remember liking that game. All right, so that, uh, let's do one more. Padre 2, sorry we haven't played some of them, but uh, yeah, we're getting there. We're going through them. We have to allow time for other members of the nation as well. That is true. Hello, Seabot? Jeez, I hope this is the right number. I got it from that dickhead happy horror host Brandon's computer. I just wanted to say... That last voicemail, I was just kidding. You don't look like a busted-ass toaster. <laughs> I well, obviously we know that this robot lies. If you wanted to go out some time, I would be happy to take you up. My number is 918-928-5230. Okay? Cool. Oh, hey, one more thing. If you share this message with anyone, I will find you, but nobody else will. Great. Bye. <laughs> And that concludes the advertising uh, portion. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Uh, uh, It sounded like um, uh, a veiled threat, Seabot. I sweat no robo horse. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do one more. All right, right, here we go. The the Freedom for Animals Association on 2nd Avenue is the secret headquarters for the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. They're the ones that are going to do it. I can't do any more. I have to go now. Have a Merry Christmas. That checks out, really. Yeah. I mean, I, it's I, salient. It's valuable. I hope you all took note. I want you to know. Here is my research. <laughs> I'm putting it forth to you in a in a in a, a clean and straightforward manner. Now I need to leave. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. <laughs> I would I would hire that person. I want them to achieve everything they need in life. Unless the twelve monkeys need them killed or whatever, that's fine. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. All right, nation, you can hear yourself on here seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. Don't forget if you forget any of these things, it won't matter because the universe is going to implode on itself. Um yeah, it's it's the bubble's gonna burst, the the the, the level six is gonna get tired, uh the the whatever is going to uh, happen, and we're all insignificant specks in the grand scheme of things. Now go enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bud. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always